Lord, we thank you that you're always with us. Even in the hustle and bustle of life, you're always with us. Help us, Lord, to hear things from your word and from your spirit that will encourage us today and help us see your love in a greater way. Lord, thank you for your grace toward us and for this, this church and toward this church. Thank you for my brothers and sisters. Thank you for grace. Thank you for the open door. Thank you for the open heaven. Thank you for our new life. In Jesus' name. Amen. I want to share some thoughts this morning about um, just really, I think it's very cool to see how when, when Jesus came, that everything changed. I think sometimes we don't see just how much everything changed when he came. And it's good to keep that in mind because in, read, in the reading, Paul says in the reading of the Old Covenant, in 2 Corinthians, it says in the reading of the Old Covenant, the veil remains over the mind. If we don't see that everything has changed. So in the reading of the old covenant, in the reading of the, of the law and the prophets, a veil is, remains and is reinforced if we don't read the scriptures in light of what Jesus did and what has happened since he came. Isn't that cool? What is that in Hebrews? It's in uh, Second Corinthians. Let me find that for you. That's a very good verse to actually know where it is. Second Corinthians. I believe it's chapter four or three. Let's see. Let's say I think it's chapter three. Actually, let's look at. Um, yeah, chapter 3, 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, we'll just look at, let's look at this briefly, this is a good starting point, I think, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, look at verse 12, therefore having such a hope, we use great boldness in our speech. And not like Moses, verse 13, not like Moses who used to put a veil over his face so that the sons of Israel would not look intently at the end of what was fading away. But their minds were hardened for until this very day at the reading of the old covenant, the same veil remains unlifted because it is removed in Christ. Verse 15, but to this day, he repeats it, but to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their heart. But whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Isn't that awesome? 
So you can be reading the Old Covenant and a veil remains. The mind is unable to see unless we see what Christ did. For verse 14 says, it is removed, the veil is removed in Christ. And when a person turns to the Lord, that's, refer, that's a reference to turning to Jesus himself. When, when a person turns to Jesus and says, show me, Lord, reveal to me what is, what is truth, the veil is taken away. And then we can go back and look at the Old Covenant and see Christ in the Old Covenant. And where once the letter killed, now the Spirit brings life. For the next verse says, now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Isn't that awesome? So it's key to know that something is hidden in the old covenant. And, and, and I, I've got to, to uh, translate what I'm reading in the old covenant in light of Christ. This is what Jesus meant when he said... Remember on the road to Emmaus, and he was walking to those, with those disciples on the road to Emmaus, and they didn't recognize him after the resurrection, and they were saying, oh, terrible things have happened in Jerusalem. You know, the Messiah, we thought he was going to be the Messiah, and they crucified him, and, and they didn't recognize him. And he walked along with the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, and they said, and, and Jesus said, uh, tell me what, what happened in Jerusalem, you know, and they didn't know who he was, so they started explaining all things. And this is what he said to them. He said, oh, slow of heart. This is last chapter of Luke. The last chapter of Luke, if you want to look it up. He says, oh, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. All that the prophets have spoken. See, the natural man, see, the revelation of Christ is in the law and the prophets. It's there. It is there. The revelation of Christ and his work of grace is in the law and the prophets, but it's hidden in there. And the veil keeps you from seeing that that's hidden there. So when, when uh, Jesus said, oh, slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Verse 44. Verse 44? Luke 25, is it? Uh, 20, Luke 24. 24. Luke 24, verse 44. Luke 24, verse 25. 20, Luke 25. Luke 24, verse 25 is what I have. 24. There's, there's not 25 chapters in Luke. Oh, okay. No, it's 20, 24, 25. Got it. They might be too yeah, I'm reading too. This, this is after he ate the honeycomb, and he said, uh, then he said to them, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was with you, that all things... Um, that have been written to me in the... He said, uh, thus it is written, necessary for Christ to suffer. Maybe the 25 is the one you're talking about. Oh, foolish ones in the slow part. Yeah. That's it. What verse is that? 25. 25. Okay, 25. That's where he says, oh, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. And so um, what I was going to say is that we're, we're so, we're in the natural. We, we, uh, we go to those verses and we see scriptures about commandments to keep and obedience to God and judgment if you don't obey and the holiness of God and all these things and the sinfulness of man, man, we just, we just, we're like a magnet. We, we get that. We get it with flying colors. I mean, that's us. You know, we need judgment. We need, 
you know, discipline. We need, we're not even close to where we should be as people and God is holy and, you know, judgments come. And I mean, that's, we, we are drawn to that. And the natural man on the street who's not born of the spirit would have no problem if you talk to them about a holy God and sinful man. Most people, unless they're just wackos, but most of the time, most people would have no problem saying, yeah, you're right. We're definitely not where we should be. And God's going to judge our nation or God's going to judge the world. So we're drawn to that. And that's truth. That is truth. That God is holy and man is sinful and judgment's coming. All that's truth. But slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. The rest of the story, as Paul Harvey would say, page two, the rest of the story is so incredible. It takes a revelation of the spirit for the veil to be removed in the reading of the old covenant to see it. This is so cool. All right, take a look at this. Let's look at Luke uh, chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. And this is really the heart of why you, you and I have a problem uh, sharing the grace of God with people. A lot of people just do not see the rest of the story. They won't accept it, maybe. They don't want to accept it. Uh, some people resist the grace of God and the work of Christ because they know inherently that that means if that's true, then my mean old neighbor down the street is forgiven too. And I don't want the mean old neighbor to be forgiven. He needs justice. I want mercy, but I'd, I'd, I want mercy, but he, he, he deserves justice. One of the big problems with people receiving the revelation of grace is because they're thinking about instinctively the other person that's going to get that grace too. And we don't want that. Right, right. And who's to know whether that's real or not? That's, that's up to God. And, uh, and, you know, like the thief on the cross was a deathbed conversion. And, uh, and the Lord, you know, said, today shall be with me in paradise. So, um, but you're exactly right. And, and the Lord himself said that. He said, you know, John the Baptist was of this mindset of the law and the prophets. The scripture says the law and the prophets were until John the Baptist. But now... But now, see, I love that. But now, something different, something very different's come. John was until the law and the prophets. But now, the glad news of the kingdom of heaven is proclaimed. Huge difference. Huge switch. The law and the prophets were until John. But now, the kingdom of heaven is proclaimed. Jesus said, the hour is coming, and now is. Something very new is coming, he said. The hour is coming, and now is, woman, that you're not going to worship God in Jerusalem or in Samaria or any building. There's going to be a whole new thing about to, a new thing is about to happen. The hour is coming, and now is. Transition to a major change in the earth. Major change in the earth. So John the Baptist, who had this, this side of the story of law and judgment and, and fear and man's sin and God's holiness... John, who was captured and put in prison, John said, 
as he heard news of this one that he said, this is him. This is he, the one that I was sent to point to. This is the one, the Messiah, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. As he was in prison, he was getting news back from what was happening out there. And he was, his people were telling him, John, I don't understand this. You said that God was going to come with fire and cleanse the earth. And, and he was going to, to really kick butt, so to speak. And, and, but this one that you pointed to, John, he's, he's forgiving everybody's sins. He's He's healing even the Gentiles. He's healing the Romans. There was a Roman daughter. He healed her. John, I don't understand. How could he be the one? He's, he's, he's full of grace. And so they came to him. John said, go to him and maybe I made a mistake. Basically, he was, he was doubting himself. He was doubting the revelation he had of the Father who, who, shed, who said, when you see the, the Spirit of God descend and remain on this one in the form of a dove, that's him. He was his cousin. He had grown up with him. He, John and Jesus grew up together. They were cousins. He had... Exactly, in the womb even. He leaped in the womb. But when he became a, a, a man, they lived as, as cousins, he had no idea that he was the Messiah. He didn't hit until the father said, this is the sign you'll know. And that's why he shocked John. It shocked John when he realized, no way, my cousin. <laughs> and then John goes, and they're all there to be baptized for their sins, you know, to be, to repent and to be immersed as a symbolic gesture of a new thing that was coming, a cleansing, you know? And that's why he said, wow, you here? Why are you here? I know you. I know your life. I've, I've never seen you sin my entire life. What, why? I need to be baptized by you, cousin. What are you doing here? And then the, the, the dove came, and he knew the father said, this will be the sign, and he landed on him and remained. And I think at that point, the dove just disappeared, and he just stood there, and he goes, oh, my God, you are the one. So here, now, so that was, I mean, you would think John would, whether he's in prison, whether what he's hearing, he would still get it, but that shows the humanity of us, you know, we get a revelation and we forget it or we doubt it. So he's in prison now and he says, send a message to him and say, are you the one or should we look for another? Are you the one or should we look for another? Because it's not matching up with this side of the story of judgment and fire and cleansing. And so they went to him and Jesus said to them, go tell John. And then he quotes The second part of the story from the scriptures. He quotes the part you can't see if you have the veil. He quotes the other part. The whole story. All the prophets have said. And he says, tell John. That the blind see. The lame walk. The dead are raised. And then he said this. And blessed is he. Who is not offended. Offended. Blessed is he who is not offended in the Son of Man. He was talking about offended with grace, offended by God's mercy, offended by God's goodness. Because John was saying, this can't be the one. His followers were even saying, this can't be the one. He's not judging anybody. He's forgiving everybody. He's healing everybody. And the the masses are going after him, and I don't see anybody repenting either. (laughs) You know? Even the prostitutes are following him. That can't be right. You know? That's how we see things. And so 
Uh, and here's God coming with all this grace when he was born. I love that when the angels showed up in, that, the, in the incarnation, when the word became flesh, and they all, and the, God pulled the veil back, and the angels were there, and they were singing, and this awesome, and those, those little shepherds were like freaking out. You know, thought they were going to die. What is this? And this um, myriads and myriads of angels, as they saw tears of angels reach back into the heavens and singing, peace on earth, not judgment. Peace on earth. Good will toward men with whom God is pleased. Oh, how can this be? We deserve judgment. We deserve death. We des- how can this be? Because through this one, through this one, all the wrath of God will be taken away. All the wrath of God to whoever would believe on this one. Whoever would believe on this one. Whoever would believe on this one. All the wrath of God would be taken away. Isn't that awesome? It's awesome. And then look at this. This is so cool. In Luke. Let's look at Luke chapter 2. Well, let's look at this one first. This... This is the, the, uh, the prophecy that John's dad, John the Baptist's dad got. This is actually the, the uh, prophetic utterance that was given to him. He was a priest, and before John was born, this is what his father said of, what, of his son's destiny as it related to the Christ who was coming. This is so cool. Look at, look at Luke chapter 1. Let's look at that first. Gospel of Luke chapter 1. Verse 67. Well, I've got to read the rest of this. Let's go back a little bit more. This is so cool. Verse 57, yeah. Luke, Luke chapter 1, verse 57. Now the time had come for Elizabeth to give birth. Elizabeth is the mother of John the Baptist. And she, she gave birth to a son. And her neighbors and her relatives heard that the Lord had displayed his great mercy toward her, and they were rejoicing with her. And it happened that on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to call him Zechariah after his father. But his mother answered and said, No, no indeed, but he shall be called John. Because the angel had already told her to call him John. Verse 61. And they said to her, There is no one among your relatives who is called by that name. And they made signs to his father as to what he wanted him called. Now this, previously, you can read previously in the, in the Gospel of Luke, what happened to his father was he doubted when the angel told him that he was going to have a son and his name would be called John, you should call him John and so forth. He doubted it and the Lord took his voice away temporarily and it was like a sign to the people. And then here he is unable to speak and they were all, they didn't know what happened in the temple when he was in the temple. He just came out un- unable to speak. And then look what happened here. He said, verse 62, And they made signs to his father as to what he wanted him called. You know, hand signs because he couldn't talk. And he says, uh, 
verse 63, and he asked for a tablet, and he wrote as follows. And this is so cool. It's not that we're going to call him John. His name is John. Isn't that awesome? That's who, God knows who you are, and it's not related to your relatives. God knows who you are. It's spiritual. His name is John. And they were all astonished that he wrote that down on the tablet. And at once his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed and he began to speak in praise of God. Fear came on all those living around them and and awe and all these matters were being talked about in all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them kept them in mind saying, what then will this child turn out to be? For the hand of the Lord was certainly with him. This is unusual. Okay, then verse 67, this is the prophecy. And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit moved and fell upon his father and he prophesied and he said, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited us and accomplished redemption for his people. And he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of David, his servant, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from a bowl. See, it's there. It's there. You've got to see it. As he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from Vogue, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show mercy toward our fathers. That's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to Abraham, our father, to grant us that we being rescued from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. Ooh. So the prophecy is that God's going to rescue us from this world, from the enemies of of this world, from evil itself. And we will actually be able to live in his presence without fear. And we'll actually be standing in righteousness and holiness in this new place. And then he says here. He turns to his son. He says, and you, child, you, John will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give his people the knowledge of salvation. Remember, salvation means to be rescued. And that's exactly what he says earlier here, rescuing us, moving us from one place to another place, to bring us from a place of of a, a condemned Adamic race to a new place of a new people who are now born from above. To give his people the knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. And that's how it's made possible. Complete forgiveness of all sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God with which the sunrise. I love this. This is a description of Jesus. He's called the sunrise from on high. Which the sunrise from on high will visit us. The true light. He will shine. This light will shine upon those who sit in darkness. And in the shadow of death. It's a a description of depression. This light will shine upon those who sit in darkness in the shadow of death. Those who are depressed and condemned prisoners. This light from on high will shine and guide their feet into the way of peace. Because of what he will do. All right. Now this. Let's wrap this up. I just want to read this part where. This is where Jesus begins. Turn with me, if you would, to Luke. Now let's look to Luke chapter 4. Verse 
Now, this is, this is, this is Jesus beginning his ministry. And he is... He has just left the wilderness of being tempted by the enemy for 40 days. And he's coming back. Look at chapter 4, please. Luke chapter 4, verse 14. And Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread through all the surrounding district. And he began teaching in their synagogues and was praised by all. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath. And he stood up to read. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And he opened the book and found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives. And recovering of sight to the blind. To set free those who are oppressed. To proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. He is quoting Isaiah 61. I believe it's 61. Okay, Isaiah 61. He's quoting Isaiah 61. You can check this later when you have more time. But the verse doesn't stop there. To proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. The very next verse says, and he closed the book. Nobody stands up in the synagogue and reads the scripture of the prophets and doesn't finish a sentence. You don't do that. You finish the sentence. He didn't finish the sentence. He closed the book. He closed the book because the next words after that was about judgment and vengeance. The day of vengeance and judgment of God. He stopped in the middle of a sentence and closed the book. Because that day of vengeance and judgment is not this day. And will not be this day for a long time until he comes again. And all those who have not received him, then they will fear. And they will see. And they will mourn. And they will gnash with teeth because they did not receive this awesome grace. Because judgment is certainly coming for those who have not received the only sacrifice that can take away all sin. But that's not this day. And nor has it been that day for 2,000 years. That's what I'm trying to say this morning. Everything has changed. God is reaching out. He tells Peter in that vision, he says, what God has cleansed, no longer call unholy in Acts. God has cleansed the whole world. That that white sheet of four corners speaks of the whole world has been cleansed by the work of Christ. Now, whosoever will believe can enter into this grace. For God was in Christ, reconciling the whole world unto himself, not counting their sins against them anymore, calling all men to believe, to change their minds and believe and receive this grace. Isn't this awesome? He closed the book. And look at the rest of this. I love this. He closed the book and gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down. And all the eyes of the synagogue were fixed on him because no one does this. They were fixed on him like... First of all, they were fixed on him because they knew this is a messianic prophecy that the Messiah 
would fulfill this. They knew that was, this was only the Messiah. And, and, it, and it, was, it was read with such power. This was, the, this was the beginning of his revelation to the public ministry. This was the beginning of the word getting out. He's, first, only John and, and a few knew about him at the, at the waters when he was baptized. And then he went immediately to the wilderness with the enemy. And now, now this is the beginning of the whole thing. Now, now it happens. Now, it, now it's about to happen. And so they're, they're, the power of, in which he read those words, can you imagine? And they, they fixed their eyes on him. And he said, verse 21, in their silence, he said, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And that's exactly what they did. They went, No. Blasphemy. No. What? He claims to be the Messiah. It's like you can mark it off. Fulfilled. Boom. Fulfilled. Isn't that awesome? awesome. And then he says, and he began to say to them, wait, and then verse 20, I'm sorry, 22. Verse, and all were speaking well of him and wondering at the gracious words which were falling from his lips. They were saying, how can this be? Is this not Joseph's son? I mean, look how they describe this. And you very rarely see the, the writings of the Gospels embellish in adjectives, you know? I wish there would be more adjectives, like describe what Jesus looked like and things like that, you know? But you very seldom see that. But right here, the gracious words that fell from his lips. Oh, my God. They were like, this is unbelievable, the power. Can you imagine the Father's heart? Just, just the power of this grace that was coming forth. This actual scripture written hundreds of years ago by Isaiah is now being very fulfilled in this little synagogue in Nazareth in their hearing. And then he says, and they're questioning, how can this be the Messiah? We know his father is Joseph's father. Isn't Joseph his father? And then, and then look how it changed so quickly. Verse 23, he says, And he said to them, No doubt you will quote this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. Whatever we heard was done in Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. He saw it all coming. He saw the rejection. A prophet is not without honor except in his own hometown and among his own family members. And he said, Truly I say to you, no prophet is welcome in his hometown. There it is, verse 24. Verse 25, but I say to you in truth, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah when the sky was shut up for three years and six months. Many widows in Israel when a great famine came over all the land. And yet Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon to a woman who was a widow, meaning she was a Gentile. There were many widows in Israel, but... Elijah was not sent to any of them. He was sent to a Gentile. Verse 27. And there were many lepers in Israel in the time of Elisha, who came after Elijah, the Elisha, the prophet, and none of them were cleansed, but only Naaman, the Syrian, a a Gentile. Verse 28. And all the people in the synagogue were filled with rage. They went from wonder to rage in seconds. What's that? Quick. quick. Real quick. As they heard these things. And why do they, why do they turn to rage? Because he was, for, he, was predict, he was predicting, he was prophesying that his own people would reject him. That they would resent this grace that was coming to the world. And they got up and drove him out of the city. 
Look at that. From one place of wonder to driving him out of the city. And they led him to the brow of the hill, this big mob on which their city had been built. At this point, they're totally convinced he's a blasphemer and he's totally deserves to die. And they brought him to the edge of the city in order to throw him down the cliff. And the next verse, his time was not yet. And father just walked this way, son. And passing through their midst, he went his way. No one could touch him. No one could touch him. Isn't that awesome? See, you see the the rage of, of those who see just the law and the prophets and judgment. And we want judgment on Rome. We want the Gentiles judge their dogs. And you see God's grace coming in. That which is hidden in the scriptures. The veil is still on their minds in the reading of the old covenant. They don't see. And they, they want to kill him. One minute they wonder. Next minute they want to kill him. God protects him because his time is not yet. Everything has changed. Everything. Remember when he was going to walk through Samaria and the Samaritans wouldn't receive him? And his own disciples, John, said, Lord, the scripture says Elijah called fire down from heaven. Do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy Samaria? Because that's not good. They shouldn't reject you like that. He's quoting scripture. And God did that. But that was a different day. The sun had not yet come. See? Elijah asked for fire and it fell on his enemies and God did it. If you just read the Old Testament and try to apply what you read without the veil being removed, you'll kill everybody. You'll try to kill everybody. And that's exactly what John and them were doing. It's written, Elijah called fire down. That's Bible. That's scripture. That's the word of God. It's got to be right. God doesn't change. It's the word. Jesus says, you know not what spirit you are of. A new day is here. My father sent me not to destroy the world, but to save it. Huge change. Huge. And then he said, we'll go around. Look at the humility of Christ. No, I'm not going to call fire down from heaven, John. We're going to go around the city. He will force himself on no man. And he will be with any man who welcomes him. Even the tax gatherers and the prostitute. He will eat with any man who receives him. And he will not force himself on any man. Awesome. The humility of our king and the grace and the love of God. They didn't understand what spirit they were of because the spirit, he was speaking prophetically of how, who they were going to be in him. The spirit of the father is this spirit. I've been sent to open the eyes of the blind that they might see without this veil that they may have their hearts mended, mend the brokenhearted, releasing captives. The Holy Spirit is a spirit that announces the time of grace in favor with God. The book was closed on judgment and remains closed until he comes again. One day is like a thousand years with the Lord. 
and a thousand years is like one day. His son's work and resurrection in the eyes of God happened Friday. Friday, two days ago. He hasn't changed. He hasn't changed the, 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 the proclamation of my father has come to open the eyes of the blind, to set the captives free, to mend the broken hearts, to announce the, the time of favor and close the book, not mention judgment because of what his work would do and changing everything hasn't changed. 2,000 years with God, two days. Isn't that awesome? Lord, thank you so much for helping us see that, that everything is different now. Everything is different. Everything is different. And blessed is he who is not offended in the grace that is in the Son of God. Amen.